Ladies and gentlemen, thank you and welcome to the Arab Center for Research and Policy Studies. Tonight's uh, seminar is entitled The Destruction of Gaza's Health Sector, Confronting Devastation and Forced Displacement. The Israeli occupation forces, and since day one, of their aggression, waged war on the health sector, which led to the martyrdom of 281 members of the health crews, and many uh, ambulances were destroyed, over 20 hospitals were destroyed, and more than 40 primary health care centers. The health sector in Gaza is in a catastrophic state now, because of the damage to the infrastructure and the huge pressures on the sector and the lack of resources, in addition to the mass expulsion of people. And despite this situation, which the health sector is undergoing currently, the heroism of the healthcare personnel really have done tremendously under very harsh conditions, conditions thwarted with danger and risk to their own lives, and they continued their work in order to save civilians, men, women, and children, despite the bombardment and the destruction. We have watched them on television screens giving statements testifying to the current devastation and destruction in Gaza, doing what is not humanly possible to deal with the situation, working in silence, and all of this emanates from their belief in the value of human life. Today with us, Dr. Ghassan Abu Sitta, a member of the, the health care workers. One of Western newspapers have described him as the healer of the broken souls and faces in, in the Middle East. We saw him after the vicious attack on the Baptist uh, Hospital he risked his own life trying to help his patients. Today, Dr. Ghassan Abu Sitta will tell us about his own experience as an eyewitness to Israel's deliberate destruction of the Gazan health sector. And Dr. Ghassan Abu Sitta will also be alluding the collective responsibility on us all to deal with the catastrophic situation Gaza. Please allow me to introduce him before giving him the floor. His name has become famous, associated with all the previous wars. He's worked in different parts of the Arab world. He worked in Yemen, Iraq, Syria, and Lebanon. Dr. Ghassan Abu Sitta is a Palestinian-British 
doctor and surgeon. He finished his studies at Glasgow University and 2011 joined the medical center of the American University in Beirut. And later on, he became head of the plastic surgery and war injuries department. In 2015, he helped establish uh, the, a program on dealing with war injuries at the Imperial College, and he also um, collaborates with King's College, and uh, he is one of the board members of the Palestinian Studies Center, which uh, collaborates with us in organizing this uh, event this evening and he is a member of uh, a number of other organizations in the UK. Thank you, Dr. Hassan, and welcome for joining us this evening. We'll give you 30 minutes uh, for your presentation, then we'll have a question and answers session. Thank you very much for the kind invitation. What is uh, going on today in Palestine? Of the genocide, I, I, I call it uh, the second war, which was uh, the, after the second more war, because it is the same attempt to forcefully displace the population. And confronting a situation like this, the medical ambulance uh, and other crews uh, are doing their utmost. The idea of the Palestinian struggle being linked to medical services and uh, and this and the heroism shown by medical personnel in every war and every confrontation is a continuation of what's been happening uh, after the Nakba. It first started in the Al-Wahdat refugee camp in the 50s, and then it moved to Lebanon, and we all remember the legacy from that period the Tal Zatar and the hospitals of Tal Zatar and the Palestinian Red Crescent uh, hospitals in the Israeli invasion of the Lebanon. This uh, Palestinian peculiarity as to view the healthcare services as part and parcel of responding to Israeli aggression and attempts by Israel to cancel out the Palestinians from existence. And this effort continues today in northern Gaza. The Al-Auda Hospital was bombed many times. It continues to operate. The Baptist Hospital was bombed many times. And the hospitals in the south are also continuing despite the lack of resources. My personal uh, journey on 
is a continuation of this Palestinian legacy. It started when I was a medical student, volunteered in, during the first uh, uprising intifada. In the second intifada, I was a young surgeon working at Al Auda Hospital in Jabalia in Gaza. And then in the marches of return and the war in 2014, the war in 2021, and also when I was the American University in Beirut where uh, um, wounded people from the wars in Syria and Iraq used to be received as hospital. On the 7th of October, I reached a conclusion that there is a vicious war on its way to be waged on Gaza, and I tried to get back into Gaza before the crossings are closed. I got in touch with uh, Doctors Without Frontiers. Uh, 10 o'clock on Sunday, I was in Egypt, and 8 o'clock uh, Monday morning, I was at the Rafah crossing point. It took me one whole day to make it to a Shifa hospital because of the Israeli bombardment uh, on the uh, Rimal area. And on the 10th of October, I arrived at the Shifa hospital. From the beginnings of this war, it became apparent that the difference between this war and the previous wars on Gaza is the difference between an ordinary flood and the tsunami. The objective behind everywhere could be understood through the injuries. In 2014, many uh, buildings were targeted and entire families were wiped out. This In this war, the targeting was not at certain buildings, but entire districts and demolishing them in one go. In 2009, they started testing a new generation of phosphorus bombs, which has been improved in this war. They used it in attempt uh, to make the inhabitants of northern Gaza and then a shot uh, camp to be expelled forcefully. From the beginning of the war and the beginning of Israel's narrative regarding a Shifa hospital, that this is not a hospital, underneath it there are uh, command and control centers and this made it apparent that there was an Israeli decision to target the health sector. If I was to be asked before the war what, uh, what is the safest hospital in Gaza, I would have said the Baptist Church because it is uh, run by the Baptist Church and it's supervised and managed by a bishop, a Baptist bishop. So if there was any safe place to be in Gaza, it would have been the Baptist Hospital. I think their decision to bombard it 
was a test to see how the international community would respond to Israel's systematic targeting of the health center. So when the massacre at the uh, Baptist Hospital became apparent and the narrative that Israel used that it was an errant Palestinian uh, rocket or missile which caused the destruction, which didn't last for long because everybody knows that no Palestinian rocket or missile has this devastation power. And because Israel is the only country which is allowed to systematically target hospitals, they, after the targeting of the Baptist Church, they immediately started targeting other hospitals, namely four hospitals, uh, hospitals, children's hospitals, to dehumanize human people through the idea that even Palestinian children enjoy no protection in this world. After uh, assaulting the children's hospital, the cancer center, the cancer hospital was hit. This was not done randomly. This is a deliberate choice of the symbolism of the health sector because in any other war it will be difficult to select such targets, but they were testing world opinion to see how it would respond. Once they finished with all this hospital, except the Indonesian hospital and at Shifa hospital, the Shifa hospital uh, was surrounded and blockaded and they, they destroyed the most vulnerable part of any value system and when it comes to children, children, of course, uh, are the most vulnerable. A little baby, an infant, uh, would need the basics of life. But when they chose the even, was even more vulnerable than that, the premature children's unit, they went to them in their incubators, they cut off the oxygen to deliberately and slowly kill these people in a manner which is the the, the part of part of Israeli violence is the performative aspect. They do that by way of display in front of everybody to go further than anybody else and to create a kind of shock and awe amongst the Palestinians. I think the bodies of the premature children in the Al-Nasr hospital, they were kept uh, on public display. This was not a mistake by the Israelis. This was essential, and it was part and parcel of the performative aspect of this Israeli action. Targeting the healthcare is part of creating this disaster to dismantle every aspect of life, hitting 
desalination plants, sewage water systems. On one evening, they started targeting buildings which had solar systems on the roofs. They started targeting bakeries. Then they started targeting ambulances and medical crews. More than 280 people were systematically killed, doctors, nurses. Some of them were targeted deliberately on the way back home from hospitals. All of this was aimed at uh, to preparing the ground for the ethnic cleansing after the war. When you kill more than 20,000, injure more than 40,000, and leave the wounded people to die slowly before the eyes of their own families. So after, after the war, this will only convince the people to leave the Gaza Strip, to leave their homes. If we go back to Benny, Benny Morris, in his book said that the biggest mistake of the Zionist movement was they, they did not get rid of the Palestinians completely similarly to what the white man did to the Red Indians. And if the demographic question is not solved in Palestine, this will mean the defeat and the end of the Zionist project. So we started seeing signs in the Israeli society to approach the final solution of the Palestinian question through destroying and uprooting the Palestinians either by killing destruction or displacement, forced displacement. Then after that, they will go to the West Bank and Israel Okay, the Israeli parts of the Palestinian parts occupied by Israel in forty-eight. In the forty-three days that I spent in Gaza, I could tell by the type of wounds. I could read many details about this war. For example, at the beginning of the war, there was a disproportionate uh, throughout the war. In fact, like. Uh, 2,000 bombs, 2,000 pound bombs, 1,000 pound bombs on residential buildings. The idea of this total annihilation and destruction, uh, which led to the complete destruction of entire families. Three generations of one family were completely wiped out and removed from the civil register. After that, we started seeing the kind of uh, bands which covered more than 50% of the body, but no, no uh, breakages, no fractures, no, uh, uh, and we saw incendiary bombs which have no fragments. They just create a fireball that burns people. After this wave of bombs, they return to the white phosphorus. The burns are very distinct because it's a chemical material and 
the shell explodes and it becomes like a cloud and this uh, phosphorus uh, uh, creates this kind of burns and when it starts burning it will continue bur burning until the oxygen is cut off from it so the burn will continue to the inner organs or the bones and when the Israeli land forces went to the northern parts of Gaza in Al Karama district, then when they go to a shelter refugee camp and they were faced by resistance, they widened the use of white phosphorus. And the weapons used for the Baptist hospital is a new generation of the Hellfire missiles which uh, it's, it's, the, it's the same old missiles, but it fragments into like uh, 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 iron surfaces, plates, which need to amputations. And all fragments can cause uh, this kind of thing. When, when it's the... When, when it's uh, the result of an explosion, it will appear in the weakest part of the body, in the joints and limbs. But, but we, saw, we saw amputations and cutting uh, in, the, in the middle part of the thigh, which is the strongest part of the body. It was like a guillotine produced uh, cutting. I saw that at the... Baptist Hospital then at the Dormish Mosque in the Sabra district and and it was widely used and it was said that the wounds caused by this kind of munitions is very distinct distinguishable and we also that the 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 the, Jord the Jordanian field hospital, they have, a, the Israelis have a quadcopter, which is a drone which carries a sniper rifle. And on uh, one day we saw 20 people uh, from the surrounding areas of the Jordanian hospital and the Baptist hospital because hitting the Jordanian hospital directly would cause a diplomatic uh, fury. So in the Baptist church and the Jordanian uh, hospital areas, we saw direct targeting of uh, civilians by these drones with the sniper uh, Rifles, the quadcopter will go around, say, noon time when people are out and about trying to get some bread for the families. And the, the velocity of the bullet from a sniper rifle is higher than the ordinary one, so the, the wound is also distinguishable. At the same time, with this death world that Israel is trying to create, there is daily resistance, not just at the military level, 
also at the level of human resistance against the idea of continued death and suffering and criminality and viciousness and savagery. So the, you see the kind of how people react to each other. Families who bring in totally strangers into their midst and they embrace them in their families. Also the families of the wounded people and the kind of sympathy they received was at a time there was 120 children at Al-Shifa hospital. They were all wounded and they were the sole survivors out of three generations of their families. No longer they had grandparents, uncles, aunts, parents, brothers and sisters. So the rest of the family, strangers, used to take their children into their care and look after them. I think the third pillar of resistance that Israelis could not comprehend, I even myself couldn't understand how this is part of our contemporary Palestinian identity that uh, the, the humiliation of uh, being a refugee is very strong. The Israelis thought that if you threaten people with death and show them death, there'll be nothing worse than that and they will escape and flee their areas. But they did not understand that the experience of a Palestinian of never again returning to the humiliation of being refugees and what our forefathers went through in 1948, this was worse than getting killed. That's why we still have 800,000 people in the northern parts of Gaza. Why Jabalia refugee camp is full of them. Every time there was a pause in the fighting, the Israelis expected Gazan people to run away and leave the, the Gazan Strip. But on the contrary, the ones who were outside were trying to come back. So at the level of the Palestinian people, all of these elements led to the failure of the Israeli war objectives. The Israelis always try through a truce what they could not achieve in a war situation, like total blockade and create totally inhumane conditions, no medical care, no education, no food, no water, no anything. This will, in their opinion, will help them achieve the ethnic cleansing they desire. This morning when I woke up to the news of the continued massacres, the question which comes to mind, especially after Britain announcing that it will be using its drones in the war, we ask, when will the world get enough from our blood? Until now, I'm searching for an answer. But at the same time, I am 
100% sure that if the opportunity is given to Gaza to recover after this war, I think in few years they will recover, despite the huge amount of the martyrs and wounded people, more than 45,000 injured people, despite the fact that the health sector is still destroyed. We have, I have colleagues, or most of my colleagues, in fact, what is amazing about them, you will spend 10 days, day and night, in a Shifa hospital without food, water, electricity. When they, the Israelis allow them to leave, they look for another hospital to join. I had colleagues at Al Shifa hospital, now they went to Al Auda hospital or the Baptist hospital. Even the doctors who had to leave with their families to the southern parts of Gaza, once their families are settled, they go to the nearest hospital and the same applies to the ambulance crews and the nursing staff. Despite the systematic destruction of the healthcare in Gaza, there is continued resistance within the health sector, similarly to any other sector in Palestinian society. I hope I did not take much of your time. I think we leave the floor for, for questions and answers. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Ghassan, for this uh, uh, testimony so uh, that uh, Gaza knows as a result of the war machinery by Israel. What uh, attracted my attention, you concentrated on the kind of injuries uh, that uh, have been inflicted on Gazans. So we had the white phosphorus uh, in 2008 and also the development of military power by Israel and also testing that uh, on Palestinian bodies. Uh, so I welcome your questions. We ask you to be kindly uh, concise in your questions in order to benefit from the experience and presence of Dr. Ghassan. We would like to start from the end of the hall, please. Thank you very much, Dr. Ghassan. My question is simple. But uh, there are certain aspects that have been seen in Gaza. There have been so many paramedics that used to stand before the hospital, such as a Shifa hospital. And they said, when we went to rescue the injured, uh, they would come back, they would tell the Red Crescent or the Red Cross, and then they would come back uh, dead. So. Uh, we have seen that scores of doctors had been detained, including the director of a Shifa hospital. So what nature of coordination have you seen when it comes to international organizations, please? So shall we take more questions before we give the floor to Dr. Ghassan to respond? Dr. Khalid. 
shall we take a number of questions? Uh, thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Dr. Ghassan. So my question is not a medical question, but this is a comment uh, on an observation that you presented that is very important indeed. So the Palestinian, uh, when they try to uh, migrate, uh, uh, the feeling of humiliation sometimes is much more painful than death itself. Uh, so pushing people towards the south uh, and then giving them only one option, which is voluntary uh, displacement. It is, of course, forced displacement, but it had been uh, beautified in terms of expression, if we may call it so. So do you think if the crossings uh, are open towards uh, Egypt uh, in a voluntary way or in a forced way, do you think that uh, a displacement would happen? To what extent such displacement would, would take place? I know it is a difficult question, but this is just, I would like to know your impression about this matter. This side of the hall, please. Go ahead. First of all, I would like to thank uh, Dr. Ghassan for his testimony and uh, may God bless you for all the efforts you exerted. So in war medicine, there are standards. Unfortunately, we cannot hear what the speaker is saying because he's not using the microphone. We do apologize to the ladies and gentlemen listening to the translation. The speaker is not using a microphone and therefore we cannot hear what he is saying. Apologies. Dr. Abdel Wahab, if you can kindly wait for the microphone to arrive. So perhaps you can start answering the questions and then we go for a second round of questions. With regard to international organizations, uh, so the master's tools will never build the master's house. So the question about international associations, organizations, this is a question that we should pose. To what extent and up until when we're going to have médecins sans frontières who are not Arabs? So in a world that is full of catastrophes, full of wars, why should we rely on these contradictory allegiances such as the ICRC or MSF? So why wouldn't we have a response by the Arab community, uh, by the Arab associations? Uh, so we wouldn't have then the master's tools. Uh, so this is going to be one of the tools that would be undertaken by those people. So I have a conviction those who are going to leave are going to leave for certain reasons and they will come back. Those who have left went to Cairo, although they can go to areas, to places far away from Cairo. When the crossing was opened, many 
people who used to be in Egypt came back to Gaza. These are not slogans. No, these are part and parcel of our experience as Palestinians, as sons and offspring of refugees. This is the amazing, this is the feeling, unbelievable feeling of humiliation. So the level of criminality increases every day. So at the beginning, the triage was based on those who are going to have a surgery today as opposed to those who are going to have surgeries after three to four days. But due to the fact that we have every single day a lesser number of surgery theaters or we were not able to follow suit. So when the Shifa hospital was under siege and when the Ahli Baptist hospital was the only remaining hospital, so there were only two surgeons Dr. Fadl Naim and I, and uh, there was another general surgeon that joined us. So out of 500 injured to carry out a triage to choose who is going to have a surgery, the choice was very difficult indeed. And it reached its, its peak when the whole family of Dughmush died or were injured when the Dughmush mosque was targeted and the family itself participated in the triage process. Uh, so the difference between the capacity to treat people and the number of injured is great. And the situation is even worse now. So when we talk about these hospitals uh, that have a very limited number of operations room, one room, half a room. So the same triage happens in all those hospitals. So when you have a hospital that is full of injured people, 90% of the uh, operations that take place is to carry out a triage in order to see who are going to subdue a surgery and just give bandages to people who have been injured. So after that, so at the beginning, the criteria that were undertaken were clinical under criteria for the triage. But afterwards, the situation was no longer the same. So those people who had burns, 50, 60, 70% of burns, we were not able to carry out any surgeries. In the Baptist hospital, people who uh, had head injuries and due to the fact uh, that uh, we did not have the right surgeons that would be able to carry out surgeries, particularly when it comes to neurosurgeons, because we did not have neurosurgeons. So they were just left to become martyrs. When I left the hospital, uh, the 
there were in excess of 500 persons that were wounded, but we had nothing to do. We just put bandages on them. Because these injuries uh, would have uh, bacterial infections. Uh, so what we used to do is to clean those uh, injuries without anesthesia on children because we would see the beginning of uh, bacterial infections uh, showing up and uh, we start intervening without using any analgesics, uh, any anesthesia in order to clean the injuries. So we had one of two choices, either to clean those injuries without anesthesia, without analgesics, uh, or to leave the person to die. One of the questions that came to us from social media platforms, uh, they're asking us to know your opinion. You were in the Ahli Baptist uh, hospital and there was a representative of human rights watch and some others who talked about the targeting of the hospital and when it comes to the martyrs bodies there are some who said that some of those bodies had been abducted what was the objective are there any medical reasons behind such kind of body abduction and also the people who were injured in those hospitals so uh, are most people who have been treated in that hospital, were they civilians? So uh, another question from Dr. Abdel Wahab. Go ahead. Thank you very much, Dr. Ghassan. Thank you very much uh, for sharing with us these very sad accounts. This is absolute evil. This is how we can describe uh, such uh, acts. Uh, these are satanic acts. And I think concentration should be on now those atrocities, the atrocities that have been committed. And as you have mentioned, there is a clear intention in order to put an end to all aspects of life. And the use of such hellfire and the use of the techniques that you talked about in order to target civilians. targeting children in hospitals. So you want to put up a life. This is what they want. That is why, yes, people in Gaza have a lot of resoluteness. They are steadfast. But yes, it is their duty, is it their duty to resist such kind of killing but it is incumbent on people outside Gaza, starting from the Palestinian Authority and all the Arab people, all the Arab leadership, they should try to resist what is happening. 
we cannot, we cannot rely on people who have no food, no water, no medication, facing a systematic operation, an operation of torture in order to force them to leave. Particularly you, as medical doctors, you have meticulously described the problems that are on the ground because the resistance uh, is undergoing all such pain uh, and I think they should, all of these things should be divulged, uh, the satanic acts that are committed should be divulged. Good evening to you all. Uh, thank you very much, Dr. Ghassan. Dr. Ghassan, you have uh, authored many studies uh, and you were amongst the first persons who spoke and wrote about uh, war medicine. It is very important to document such kind of testimonies. And you were a person who was there and you have seen the development of the war machinery by Israel. And as you have said, this is a pivotal moment. It's a tsunami compared to other incidents that happened in the past. Are you thinking about uh, documenting what has happened? Would you want to document that? Because uh, the occupation would attempt once again perhaps to carry out the same acts in the future. You talked about so many social details, uh, psychological and mental details perhaps that could be added to a book or a research. Have you seen how women are talking, looking for pieces of evidence? In 2021, the occupation uh, targeted the, the uh, documentation office. So that uh, office uh, was having so many pieces of evidence, they cannot take those pieces of evidence outside the, the Gaza Strip. So there is a siege on all those items. Once they are in Gaza, they cannot uh, allow them to leave. So many of them, when I talked to the office, they said they are under the trees, hiding under the trees, and they cannot document anything. My question to you, in light of all these medical catastrophes, have there been any teams that were documenting, gathering uh, pieces of evidence, perhaps keeping them uh, ready for any perhaps uh, legal procedures that might take place afterwards? Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Dr. Ghassan. So, so uh, alhamdulillah, salama. So, uh, we're happy that you are safely out of there, and we're looking forward to saying this, alhamdulillah, uh, uh, that everybody are going to be safe in Gaza. Thank God you're safe. And I would like to talk about one person uh, who is my. Uh, nephew who is 10 months he was taken to a shifa hospital due to a shrapnel in the brain and we've been trying to take him out but we cannot do so my uh, sister-in-law is dead his mother so uh, 
my uh, nephew now has been very much uh, impacted uh, his nerves uh, hearing nerve and sight nerve uh, and uh, since the beginning of the war we were talking about the lem and he is suffering from ascites as you know what it means uh, so uh, so there is a possibility that even those who are injured they might become martyrs as well i have closely followed what had happened i was really really upset uh, with regard to my nephew who was with 10 months he lost his mother and he has nobody with him uh, this is not only a genocide these are uh, injuries that will appear after the war ends so the idea that even the injured cannot leave they only allow 10 to 15 people to leave every day out of in excess of 45,000 so how many of those 40,000 are we going to lose if this is going to be the number of persons that are going to be allowed to leave every day? So the destruction of the health sector compared to what used to be the case in the past. Uh, my mother in 2017 was a cancer patient uh, and she was not able to leave. Uh, uh, my brother was a martyr and uh, at the age of 16 and we've been all punished as a family because we were his relatives uh, so uh, we can cannot imagine how difficult the situation is for us to be able to build one hospital with very, very limited limited pieces of equipment. So the Hamad Hospital in Gaza as was the only hospital in Gaza that had those prostates. So it was the only hospital that had those artificial limbs. So we'd like you to pose a direct question, please. May the peace and blessings of God be upon you all. My first question is to Dr. Ghassan. We would like to salute you that you entered Gaza after the 7th of October for you to be able to be with the Palestinian doctors on the ground. This was a very, very difficult situation, particularly after what it was expected in the aftermath of the 7th of October. So many Palestinians, Palestinian doctors said, irrespective of the bombardment, we're not going to leave our co-patriots. So the other question, is to do with the international organizations. Can you assess the work of international organizations, particularly that there are some comments and some criticism about uh, a number of persons in the Red Cross? Uh, so these international organizations in their work in Gaza, can we say is in keeping with what is available or is there negligence or is there collusion? Is it negligence or collusion? So Dr. Abu Sata is going to answer the question. After that, we're going to take the last round of questions. 
hours after the Ahli Baptist Hospital massacre, an idea was promoted saying that the missile that targeted the, the hospital was a Palestinian hospital. There is no such thing as a missile that can kill in excess of 400 souls. The kind of injuries. I remember when I left the operation room after the explosion, I went to the emergency room. And uh, everybody was hiding in the hospital. It was all on fire. It was all lit. So that area was full of bodies and full of uh, limbs. And when I went to the emergency room, the first injured I met was uh, a man whose uh, leg was amputated. And the injury is like an injury that would happen as a result of using a guillotine. And uh, this would uh, make uh, the blood vessels uh, keep on bleeding. So that is why I had to close the injury. So all those who were injured, uh, they were injured as a result uh, of uh, metal shrapnels. Uh, so when there is uh, a uh, missile, so the shrapnel is made of uh, gravel and uh, and dirt uh, and little pebbles. Uh, so uh, after we looked into the area where the explosion happened, we saw all these uh, images. Uh, so Suhaila Attarazi, they did not communicate with her. Dr. Maher Ayyad, the medical director, who was uh, communicated with uh, and uh, the Israelis told him that uh, the hospital is going to be targeted. I asked you to evacu evacuate the hospital and you didn't. None of those persons uh, have been interviewed. People uh, who were rescued, none of them were interviewed. Al Jazeera team uh, that uh, tried to go and went there in actual fact uh, and uh, they filled the, the whole place. They were not interviewed. They did not ask for the footage that was available with them. And the same happened when it comes to the Shifa hospital. So the Israeli account and narrative is the starting point. And it is up to the victim to condone that account or that narrative. 
and to prove its innocence, irrespective of all what had happened in the Nasser hospital where the uh, ambulance was targeted, and also the Indonesian hospital, the three doctors that uh, had um, been martyred in Jabalia hospital, all of these, all of these injuries, all of these martyrs. So the situation in Gaza, as it was described by one of the directors of weapon manufacturing factory, they said that this is uh, a kind of uh, a lab where they test their weapons uh, and the fact that they steal bodies, this is going to be taken into the R&D centers in order to see how much these weapons are developed. Uh, I think uh, that the resistance, they have their own parallel uh, medical system. So the resistance group did not come to those hospitals. They have their own medical system or service. Yes, these testimonies are very important and also the Palestinian Studies Center, in addition to the Arab Center, they have a comprehensive program, not only to listen to testimonies of doctors, but also to listen to testimonies by paramedics. The story of the Indonesian hospital, the story of the Shifa hospital, all of these are documented. And the question that was posed as well, the world when I was speaking during the interviews. Uh, let's forget, I said, about the Israeli-Palestinian uh, conflict, the war that will happen after the Gaza war that led to the killing of in excess of 8,000 children. If the international community accepts that any attempt uh, to create uh, or establish an international law that would manage uh, uh, wars, if they neglected all the achievements that have been made after the Second World War, and if they accepted the killing of 8,000 children, the war that would come afterwards, it's going to be terrorizing because they would start where the Gaza war ended. So the catastrophe when it comes to the injuries that cannot be healed. So uh, injuries that uh, led to all these situations. So when uh, the children's hospitals were closed, so many children uh, used to go to Al-Nasrantisi and Al-Nasr who are diabetic, but there is no insulin. There are children who have asthma, who need to carry out dialysis. So when you do not have the right treatment, this would lead to death. So the reconstruction of the health sector would require efforts exerted by everybody. And this would require the lifting of the blockade. It is impossible for people to live in such destruction while people have their children die before them due to their injuries. Many of those injuries require medical interventions for years. We had a program in Gaza 
for those who had been injured and this required continuous medical operations, surgeries for 1,000 people who had been injured. When it comes to Hamad Hospital, I was honored to meet my brothers who are part of the Qatar Fund. My estimate is that there is 1,000 to 1,500 children who have uh, their extremities, uh, limbs amputated, some of them with more than one amputation. Do they have a specific kind uh, of doctrine? Yes, I'm really surprised. I had a colleague who died uh, who martyred. His sister came, she was evacuated her house and he did not accept that her children stay in hospital. He took them to his house and when they arrived they were martyred, they were killed. I knew him for many many years you have to understand and contain yourself uh, as a result uh, of the shock that uh, happens. Dr. Ziara, very professional, his, uh, his brother was only 18. He became martyr and his brother continued his work in all professionalism after each and every raid. The emergency room was full of people and we were working on uh, those cases and once the raids happen we see the medical team run in hysteria to see if their members of family the, the members of their families have been injured or dead as the result of the raid but irrespective of all that people continued dr muhammad abid may god preserve him we started together during the return and after that we went back to a shifa and uh, he stayed and remained under siege in a shifa and now and after that he went to the indonesian hospital and after that after the indonesian hospital was targeted he went back to the audi hospital so even those who went to the south so the first thing you hear that uh, that dr muhammad mkhalalati a graduate of uh, hamad the hospital after the siege imposed of shifa hospital he is head of the cosmetic medicine after that he went to the european hospital in order to work there and he sent me a message and he said there is a lot of work in the european hospital and that he is going to stay there he's an irish citizen he has a passport and he can leave anytime he wants all of them all of them there is no medical doctor who is in a shelter. Each one of them, uh, once uh, they are reassured about their members of family, they just move to hospitals. The international organizations, their role was really sad, really. And the reason, at the end of the day, these organizations, they implement the political decisions undertaken by the countries that support them and 
they don't even think that uh, about expelling Israel from the WHO or suspending their membership uh, or to suspend the work uh, of uh, certain organizations, uh, protests or also to boycott Israel uh, by the ICRC, the MSF and so on. They only document the direct attacks on them. So MSF would publish pictures of convoys that had been targeted by Israeli drones. The idea of imposing sanctions on Israel, this is something that is not even thought about. Thank you very much, Dr. Ghassan. So we're going to take the last four questions. We kindly ask you to pose direct questions, please. Thank you, Dr. Hassan. Uh, you, what you're saying is testimony. We see how, for example, when we try to document this war, we see people who are exhausted in Gaza. Uh, the people the pe the people at the Shifa hospital when it was evacuated how did that happen the population of Gaza or a large number of them who used to live in hospitals and Gaza from 7th of October most of the people took refuge in the hospital And when the pauses took place, the hospitals, how, how were you able to deal with the situation? Thank you, Dr. Hassan. Simple question. During the truce, uh, what I'm thinking of, uh, what we're witnessing is a destruction. We see that live on television. So documentation is important, but we were witnessing directly the destruction. During the truce, how much did the health sector really benefit? Thank you, Dr. Hassan. Two quick questions. The risk of infections and how much of a threat is that? And also, uh, when the Israelis are pumping seawater into the tunnels to drown the Hamas tunnels, what kind of a health threat will that be? Dr. Hassan, the infections passed operatively because 
the patient cannot have his own bed or doesn't get the post-operative care. So if this pressure continues, how do you deal with the infections? For the lack of time, we will. this will be the last round of questions. I know you have many questions, and this is a very important uh, question, and there are. Dr. Ghassan, please, your final remarks. Evacuating the hospitals, I can tell you a little story that happened to me when I decided to leave uh, the Baptist hospital I went to the father of a child, child who was 13 years of age. His mother and his uh, siblings were martyred, and only his father remained. His right leg was amputated, and the right hand was crushed, and I had to operate on his right hand. So I, I said to the father, that uh, I can go to the Al-Hawda hospital and then Serat refugee camp. Just to describe to you how moving from one part of Gaza to another will take uh, five, six uh, hours. Uh, the Israeli tanks and bulldozers uh, uh, destroyed all the roads. They're no longer walkable. It's impossible for you to carry a suitcase or push a wheelchair. So when I was, on the day that I wanted to go to Rafah, this old man for six hours pushed his son in a wheelchair. And he brought him to me for treatment. <laughs> this is what I meant when I said that uh, families, wounded people, they have to resist death. The infectious diseases, in fact, the aim of Israelis behind creating their idea, they talked about this publicly. It's strange how the Israelis are open to express uh, all their inner thoughts. For example, when it comes to the health sector, the Israeli health sector the most important doctors in Israel write a petition. They put their names and signatures and call, call, call for the destruction of hospitals because they are pretty sure that this statement will be on the Internet, but they knew that no international media outlet would report this. I didn't see it in the Times or CNN or the BBC or anything. 
infections were a big problem and uh, when with the depletion of all uh, uh, material and uh, I used to buy washing up liquid washing up liquid and uh, buy also uh, vinegar to clean the wound. Thank you, Dr. Hassan, for this painful testimony and the ethnic cleansing done by the apartheid regime. Thank you very much.